morning. And today's passage comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 24. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Well, good morning. Loved having our beautiful children leading us in worship and Mike and the whole team. And what a blessing. I love kids. I I know many of you do as well. And I've done quite a journey with with my three boys and raising them up. And and I love spending time with my boys. I wanted to bring you back to a time a couple years ago when we were... uh, we were beginning uh, the first year of tackle football. I was head coach. And we showed up to our final game, 0-6. But worse than that was that we had never scored a touchdown <laughs> up to this point. So we showed up at game number seven. Already the other team had scored, and so we were behind by, by a touchdown. And then we got the ball, and our boys actually started to march down the field. I'd never quite experienced this before. (laughs) And we were moving the ball and moving the ball, and and we got to the 40-yard line of their their, uh, side of the zone. We're on their 40. And so here came a profound coaching moment. I gathered the boys together in the huddle, and I said, boys... I go, do you see that goal? They're all, yeah, coach. Let's get there. (laughs) Play's going to go to JJ. JJ, not the biggest guy on our team, definitely not the fastest. But I said, we're going to hand off the ball to JJ. JJ was the kid who just had tenacity. He just had enthusiasm. I'm like, let's give the ball to JJ. We're going to run it right up the middle, up the gut. Let's get him there. Snap happens, handoff goes, J.J. starts to run, everything goes slow motion. (laughs) Guys are literally crashing into J.J. and they're just bouncing off him. And he keeps going, and he keeps going. The whole team is is in awe, absolutely amazed. He keeps running, he's got the 20 now. We're like, run, Forrest, run, and he's just going. Another guy's hitting him, he's just ducking him off. Goes, 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 makes it into the end zone. Our first score all season long. He's so excited, doesn't even know what to do. So he takes the ball, he spikes it, he does a little dance, 
We get a flag. Nobody cared. We made it to the end zone. It was a great day, especially for the coach. And we made the goal. And so the scriptures teach us this morning, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this morning's encouragement from the Apostle Paul to all of us is a moving in our hearts and in our lives that we would press on even when our faith journey sometimes feels like 0 and 6, we press on to the upward call of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, that I may know him, Paul exclaims in the previous section. That I may know the power of his resurrection, that I may fellowship in his sufferings. And so somehow to attain, verse 11, the resurrection from the dead... Not that I've already obtained all of this. Not that he has obtained the resurrection from the dead. And I want to remind you, he wasn't doubtful of his his salvation. He was so in love with Christ that it was so much of his only pursuit. He's like, whatever it would be, whether Christ is coming back, whether I die and I go to the kingdom of God, whatever it is, However I can be with the Lord at a level that is is this beautiful, perfect relationship, this love relationship, I want to be there. That is my prize. That is my goal. That is all that is in my sight. And so I press on. Not that I've obtained all of this. I think he's he's taking his, his readers in Philippi, the church there, to remind them, you know what? The reality of this life on this earth is that we're not going to get there, here. We won't reach that beautiful, ultimate relationship with Christ and these broken bodies and this, this place that is full of sin and this fallen brokenness of ours. We're not going to totally get there. But we press on to know him more. And I want to remind you, dear Philippians, keep running this race. Keep moving ahead towards the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our only pursuit and I think what he's saying, like, as our children in the back seat, every few minutes or so, say, are we there yet? Paul is gently reminding the Philippians and us, we haven't arrived yet. But guess what? We're going there. We're driving right towards where you long to be. And we will be there someday. He has not arrived. Here's the great Apostle Paul. He's the greatest saint of all. He is the man, spiritually. And so to hear from him that he spiritually hasn't gotten to a place of of the spiritual perfection is good for us. It's a reminder that we keep growing. It's a reminder that we fall. It's a a reminder that there's a lot more room to go. And that I'm not going to just stay in this place. I'm going to press on so that I might become more like Christ. So I might know him in a way that I've never known before. I want to go deeper. I want to love him more. I want to mature is basically the word perfect and the word mature are the same, teleos. I want to grow up in my love relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I press on. I haven't obtained it yet. And because I haven't, I keep moving ahead, he says. 
And I move ahead to take hold of, to seize that for which Christ Jesus has seized me. What's Paul thinking about here? I want to seize that which Christ has seized me. I think he's thinking of the moment that he was on the road to Damascus to kill some more Christians, and God got a hold of his life. Turned him upside down. Brought him to a place of realizing his emptiness and all of his righteousness that he thought was done by the law in following the rules. At that moment, on that road to Damascus, Christ Jesus seized him. He got a hold of him, like he's done with you and me, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. He has seized you. He has cut open your heart, and you have received him. And he has a hold of us. The wording is actually, it's violent. It's, it's gritty. It reminds me of, of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. Do you remember that scene? And Jacob is wrestling with the angel of the Lord, pre-incarnate Christ. And he's wrestling with him. He says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. It's that type of hold he has on. It was Jacob who, who seized the foot of his brother Esau as they came out of the womb. I'm holding on. Histor- historian uh, Herodotus, he used these exact same words to describe the seizing. And he used it to describe an army's pursuit of a, of a fleeing enemy that he would go after and he would grab a hold of. And it's because that Christ got a hold of Paul that he wants to have all and seize all of Christ. He knows there's more. There's more to this love relationship with my Savior. And he wants it. You know what else it is for me? It's a reminder that it is Christ Jesus first who took a hold of us, who seized us. And that he doesn't let go of you and me. It's his work in us. He got a hold of us. And because he radically changed us, a longing is created in our hearts that we want to grab a hold of him. But it's his work. And it's a never-ending work. It's not as though the Lord God has us hanging over an edge, a cliff, and he's got us by one arm, and and we're holding on, and we're going, oh, I, I hope I can keep holding on. And then you slip and let go, and you're like, oh, I couldn't do enough. The truth about who we are in Christ is he has a hold of us, of you and me, and he will never let go. He's done the work in our hearts. He's the one who's changed us. He's the one who's pursued us. And he got that hold of Paul and pulled him up into his loving arms like he's done with you and me. If you ever question that the Lord is not right there with you, that he has a hold of you or that he's let you go, that's, that's lies from the enemy. Listen to the good shepherd as he speaks in John 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I'm the one who gives them eternal life, and they shall never, they shall never perish. No one, and I repeat, no one, not even yourselves, can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of his hands. 
The Father and I are one, Jesus declares, as the good shepherd. Don't ever forget as we press on that he has a hold of you. Your life is in his hands. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. So we press on because Christ's love is poured out upon us. And we want more. Kent Hughes says that we, we have in our spiritual journey spiritual dissatisfaction. We know that there's more to this love relationship. And we keep going after it. We want to know Christ fully. And he says, but actually that's a blessed state to be. Do you remember what Jesus taught us as he went up on the mount? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Jesus. And you remember the promise of our Lord Jesus? As we, as we long for more, and you shall be satisfied. He will fill you up full of himself. We will never reach that perfect state until eternity. But while we're here, he comes and he comes to give us abundant life and he fills us full of himself. You will be satisfied and ultimately one day, the ultimate satisfaction that we know all of him. And a beautiful, perfect, mature, grown-up relationship, we come into full unity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we go after. That is the race we're running. That is the goal that we are going towards. We haven't taken a hold of it yet. But here's the one thing I do, Paul says. And this should be in your, in your outline. The one pursuit. It's the city slickers. Remember that? What's the one thing? The one thing I do. It's the relentless pursuit. And again, he begins here this, this image of a foot race. He says, the one thing I do <clears throat> is I am going to press on, but the way I get there is I forget what is behind. I don't look behind me to see what's happening because my goal lies ahead. You know, many of you, how many of you are runners in here? I've done track and field. Yeah, good amount of you. And you've been taught when you were running that you, as you do that race, you don't look behind. And the reason you don't look behind is because it slows your stride, doesn't it? And as soon as you look back, that person catches up. It slows your pace. You need to run towards the goal. That's the image that Paul is laying out here. And I was thinking in scriptures of those who, who look behind. I was thinking of Lot's wife. As she thought for some reason that, that life might be a little better back here. And it killed her. A pillar of salt. I was thinking of, of the Israelites as they had a tendency to look back to Egypt. Thinking, oh, that was where that was the land of honey and we had all the good things. Did you forget the chains? Did you forget being whipped? And we look back. And when we look back, it can take our life. Or it definitely takes, a, takes us on a wrong detour. He says, press on. The one thing I do is I forget what is behind. And I don't think he's saying here that, 
that we're supposed to have some sort of spiritual amnesia. Part of the, the maturity in our life is, is, is remembering what God has done in us. Remembering how he's taken us out of a pit. Remembering how he, he helped me in my failures. Remembering things. Paul remembered often. And we're actually called in the scriptures to remember. But here's what I think he's pointing at. Two areas. One is, in, in light of the context, Paul again is the man. He's been walking with the Lord for 30 years. He has established all kinds of churches. He has led all kinds of people to Christ. He's done a lot of spiritual things for the kingdom of God. And I think what he is wrestling with in his own life is, you could get to a point in your spiritual journey where you go, ah, enough. I've had a good spiritual life. And now we'll let the other saints carry on. It's this idea that somehow I've reached it. I've attained my spiritual height that I wanted to get to. And so now I can be complacent. They say, no, don't don't look back at what you've accomplished. Don't start to polish off the old trophies. Don't put on the the T-shirt that says, the older I get, the better I was. (laughs) We law guys wear that one. We want to remember the glory days, and, and it becomes more grandiose, doesn't it? And so I, say, I think he's saying to all of us as we journey in, listen, God is going to use us. I'm not going to hold on to these things in the past. I still have more work to do, and I still have more growing in Christ to do. So I press on. And the other thing I think he's telling us is that we, we forget all the areas that we, we think we've messed up in. Don't, don't look back to go, oh, these miserable failures, or I'm not good enough, and, and look how I, I can't, you know. I mean, Lord, you know me. You know what I'm like. It, it was like the video I showed last week of Martin Luther. And that one statement, I am too much of a sinner to be a priest. And the Lord, through Paul, is saying, no. Your life from now on, because you've been transformed by Jesus Christ, is now living out the life of Christ, and you press on. You look ahead to where he's taking you, and you, and you use your life now. There's no time to be complacent. There is no room to sit back. We move ahead together. Older saints who've done a lot of journey, he's calling you to keep moving. Younger saints who are trying to, to learn and, and, and get there, again, we go, okay, Father, It's been challenging, but I keep moving ahead. And so we press on. We forget what is behind. And we forget the things that we thought were great works of the kingdom, and we still move ahead. We go, thank you, Lord, for being used. We take those failures and we go, God, I want to live for you today. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you that you're living in, in me. I move ahead. In September 30th of 2007, the, the great Green Bay Packer quarterback, Brett uh, Fabra, <laughs> he made a new record. He got, he got 421 touchdown passes. That broke Dan Marino's record. Two weeks later, he set another record for the most interceptions. At the time, it was 278. Most intercepted quarterback in history. And so he was interviewed later asking how he felt about these things. 
And he reminded the reporter, he said, you know what, Babe Ruth once held a record with 714 home runs. But what a lot of people don't know about about Babe Ruth is that he struck out 1,330 times. And his call was, we know as quarterbacks, we know as leaders in this, in this sport, we've got to persevere. We're going to have incredible failures, but we have those, and then we can attain the goal, the prize, that touchdown pass, that home run. But we keep moving ahead. Forgetting all those strikeouts, let's keep going. And, and Paul is calling us to that place. That we now strain towards what is ahead. It's again that image of there's that tape. And it's that reach that all of you have seen those pictures. And there's one person, he's just right there and he just leaned enough. That's what he's calling us to. It's, it's this determined doggedness that I am going to get there and I'm going to win that race. And I will strain as hard as I can. I will not give up. I will not quit. Verse 14, here's the one thing that I do. I get there by, again, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. But the one thing that I do is I press on towards the goal to win that prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. That's the one thing I do to win the prize. The prize for Paul was that Wonderful, beautiful knowledge, that deep, intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we press on for. If people were to look at your life and my life, what would they say or what would they see in us that would be the one thing? What is it that we're spending our time doing? What is it that we're speaking forth? What is it that is leading our lives? What is the one driving pursuit? I hope they would see in us that we are followers of Jesus Christ who long to know him more. And that when they see the way that we love them, they can't help but ask the question, what is it about you? And we can say, my one pursuit is Jesus. It's because he seized a hold of me and my longing in life is to seize a hold of him. Period. Are you pressing on? What are we known for? Zoe Koplowitz was 59 a couple years ago. She ran the New York City Marathon. It was Monday, November 5th of 2007. Zoe didn't do very well. The first runner, to give you an idea, who won for the women's race was Paula Radcliffe, And she set a time of two hours and 23 minutes. Zoe's time was 28 hours, 45 minutes. Zoe suffered from MS. She had MS 30 years previous that she was diagnosed. It was at that point that she started running the great New York City Marathon. And every year she finished And this particular year in 2007, at 28 hours, she had back brace, she had leg brace, she had two walking stick crutches, painted purple, and she walked that whole race. And she finished. Runners kept running by her, she kept going. 
The final runner had finished. She knew it. She kept going. She had a goal in mind. She knew she was broken and weak and her body didn't work well, but she would, she would reach that goal. And for us, that is Christ Jesus. For us, that is knowing that he is our life. We keep pressing on. And I think sometimes we ask the question, well, how do we do it? How can I make it? Life is so upside down. It doesn't make sense. How, how do I keep going ahead when it seems like I keep taking hits? Keep taking financial hits or my body is, is frail and it's failing me. How do I keep pressing on? I think one of the ways that we do that is in our, in our conversation with our Lord Jesus Christ and our prayer, I think we ask the Holy Spirit to give us, give us his big picture as much as he will. Father, show me somehow what this is all about. Show me what's going on here. And allow the Lord to minister to you that, you know what? Big picture of all of life. I am your Lord, your Savior. You are my child. I have you in my hands. There is nothing out of control with me. And that I will help you and take you home that goal line. I will get you to that place because I'm your life. You are called heaven bound. You belong to me. Big picture is, why do you worry about the things of tomorrow when today has enough trouble of its own? Why, why don't you look to the, the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field and how I take care of them? Here's the big picture. Don't you know that you're so much more valuable than those things? Don't you know you're my beloved? And I will help you press on. And I will use the saints in this body to come along your side like Timothy and Epaphroditus, and you will press on. I will remind you that there's an ultimate prize which is all of Christ Jesus and dwelling in his presence, fully, perfect, mature, depth of intimacy that we've all longed for. I take you there. We aren't just living this life for the heck of it. We have a goal. We have a hope that is a certain hope. Our certain hope is that we will be with Christ Jesus. Now he lives his life in us, and for eternity we dwell together in beautiful intimacy, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I pray that they would have the oneness, the unity that we have. Basically saying, too, I can't wait till we're all one, united. We're going to continue this beautiful relationship with Christ that starts here and goes into eternity. That's our goal. We press on. This upward call, again, is that complete gaining, that, that gaining of intimacy with Christ living out the life he intended us to live. Again, I'm no longer my own. I'm bought with a price. Lord Jesus, lead me today. I want to live my life for you. I will press on today because I know that you've prepared in advance good works for me to step into. 
I know that, that you want to minister to me. I know that you are sanctifying me. I know that you're changing me to be more like you. So that upward call that I move towards. We have not arrived yet. And he says in verse 15, All of us who are mature should take a view of such things. And if if some of you at one point think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I think what he's saying there is, all of us who are, are growing in Christ, we should have this view. And the view that we should have is, you know what? The, the closer I grow to, Christ, grow to Christ, I start to realize there is so much more to press on towards. I think that's why Paul came to a point towards the end of his ministry. This is a guy who's, the, again, the saint of all saints. I am the worst of all sinners. That's mature Christianity. I see God's holiness, and I see that I am not, but I am straining towards him more, and I am growing in him. But you start to realize, and what he's saying, grab a hold of these things, that we can't just stop now. Until God calls us home, or until he returns in all his glory, I press on. I keep moving. I want to know him more. Let us live up, verse 16, to what we've already attained. Let us live up to to Christ changed us and and He showed His love upon us and His grace. Let's now live in that grace. Let's now live in loving Him. We we received Him and now let's continue to know Him more like, like we have. And so I want to know Christ on a deeper level. How long does it take to become a Christian. Lewis Cassell says this. How long does it take to become a Christian? It takes a moment and it takes a lifetime. We are transformed. We are placed in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus as we received Him. We are a new creation in Christ. And then that happened, and the rest of our lives is being transformed into his image, living out our Christianity, a moment and a lifetime. And so Paul says, listen, in order to help you press on, I want you to follow my example. Boy, can we say that? I love to sit up here as a teacher and say, do as I say. Sometimes it gets a little hard to say do as I do because I know my brokenness. But Paul, in full confidence of who he was in Christ, says, follow me. I'm setting an example for you of how to press on. I'm setting an example of standing firm. I'm setting an example, and so is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Look to those who are living in righteousness. And that's where we have a lot of joy in this body. We have these great saints who've journeyed a lot of years. And so younger saints look to them because they're living out their life in Christ. Yep, they're a mess just like I am, but they long for Christ and we can use them as an example. We learn, don't we, by watching others. As our children grow up, they watch us. And so we see their growth. This is what discipleship is as you grab others and and you show them 
how to have life in Christ. And you, you lead by your example and you spend time with and you pour out your life. And we are a disciple-making church. That is our, our main vision. Let us make disciples. We want you to grow. We want you to come into life on life with one another. And so we grow. So learn by watching. When we say it is, use us as an example because there's many in your midst, in verses 18 and 19, there's many in your midst that they, are, they they're not, aren't doing the example that I've set. I've told you before and I say with tears, I mean, Paul grieves over these people who, who somehow tasted Christianity, but then when it came to that I would fellowship in his sufferings, they want nothing to do with it. When it meant that you actually consider others better than yourselves, who wants to live that way? And he says of them, Listen, they have gone after other things. They've gone down a different path. They, they live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. They're basically those who have turned away from Christ Jesus and, again, never grabbed a hold of him. I think just wanted to play Christianity. Their destiny is hell. He doesn't mince words here. We're going to see by their outward lifestyle, and God knows to the core, but he's pointing here, he's like, these who are living this outward lifestyle constantly, continuously, I want you to understand something, and it grieves my heart, Paul says. Their destiny is ultimate separation from Christ. Don't follow that example. Their, Their stomach is what they live for, pleasure, that everything in life would please them, that every focus in life is, is themselves rather than others, rather than Christ. Their, their, their glory, they glory in shame, basically saying, listen, everything that I'm doing, I, I like and I share it with others. You ever have good friends who come to you? I used to get this high school and college. They still get it nowadays. Oh, I got so drunk last night. It was amazing. I just ended up, I don't even know where I ended up. Isn't that great? And they take glory in their drunkenness. And they, they want to tell you all about it. It's so upside down. All glory goes to Christ Jesus for his grace in our lives. Their mind has become on earthly things rather than fixing their mind on the things of Christ. How do we keep running this race? Verse 20. How do we keep moving ahead? Here's the beautiful reminder. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like this glorious body in Christ Jesus. How do we keep pressing on? We remember a couple things. Your citizenship, your actual home, the place where you are actually in your spirit seated right this moment, in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, that you are seated there. He says we cannot forget it. We break out our passport and it says kingdom of God. 
We are but aliens passing through this place. Sometimes we think this is it. And that's where we get stuck. That's where we take the hits. He says, don't you know that your citizenship isn't this Roman government in Philippi. It belongs in the kingdom of God. That's where you live. That's your ultimate goal. That is your hope that is certain. You belong there. This is why we can press on. I live in a manner worthy, verse 127, worthy of my citizenship. I live a lifestyle knowing that I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so I press on. And I love the pursuit. And I keep going after it. My citizenship is heaven and we eagerly await and it's a certain hope. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to bring everything under his control. This is how we press on. When we go, I don't get this government. I don't know how this health care thing is going to work out. We are in a major financial crisis in life. In this whole United States of America government, we don't, how are we going to pay off all this debt? I lost my job. My health is failing me. How in the world is it going to all pan out? Because he is the one who puts everything in order. He is the one who has it all. And that's why he says we give all praise and glory and pursue him because at his name, the name above all names, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because he is the king of the kingdom that we will be part of. There is no other king. There is no other life. There is no other pursuit. And so we press on towards that knowing that though your life may feel upside down, these physical bodies... I mean, look at Corey Freeze. God is going to redeem this body. <laughs> It'll be an amazing body. And Melissa is going to rejoice. He redeems these things. And He is going to create this body so that it can handle all the glory of God, and we will have that same body of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful goal to pursue? And it's the truth of who we are and who we will become in Christ Jesus. And so I pray for us as a body that together our one pursuit would be to press on that we may grab a hold of Christ Jesus our Lord and know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Amen.